Welcome into another edition of The Current Report, our weekly roundup of what's happening in the world of digital media. I'm your host, Chris Brooklier. This week, we're taking another bite out of the conversation around cookies. According to Google, its plan to eliminate cookies on its Chrome browser is the first step towards what it calls a privacy-first web. Now, inevitably, there's a lot of scrutiny on the impact this will have for advertisers and publishers, including competition concerns from the UK's markets regulator, the CMA. Here on The Current Report, we've already talked about what advertisers can do to get ready for this transition. But what about publishers, who've relied on cookies in large part to drive revenue? A new report published right here on The Current, written by my colleague Eilis Liffering, found that publishers are testing out new ways to authenticate audiences who come to their sites, whether that's through incentives like games and recipes, or through solutions like single sign-on tech to let readers log in. As the importance of third-party cookies fades, many publishers are under pressure to build strong relationships with their audiences, which in turn can boost the value of advertising across their news sites. One exec from local news publisher Advanced Local said it's like hitting a, quote, reset button. So to explore these questions of privacy and identity, we're bringing in Evan Hills, SVP of Strategy and Partnerships at Distillery, which is a company that focuses on AI ad targeting. Now, Distillery, your company has said that this is the largest transition in the history of digital advertising. So just in a nutshell, I, I know this is a complex topic, but in a nutshell, can you say what's at stake for advertisers and publishers? Yeah, that, that's a great question and a galactic one. I think the the way that I would frame it up for advertisers is, you know, there was a moment uh, shortly before I joined the industry where, you know, we were shifting from ad networks to programmatic, right? And I would sort of offer the analogy that this is kind of a similar tectonic shift where we're moving from sort of one means of buying and targeting and running digital ad campaigns uh, to a whole new era, right? And now that's not to say that programmatic is going to go away or anything like that, but I do think it's a, it's a tectonic change, right? The methodologies that we've used as an ecosystem as a whole to target, to frequency cap, to measure, do things like brand safety, right? I think, you know, a lot of those vehicles are at a minimum going to change and some of them are going to go away, right? And so I think it's, you know, it's a it's a big time for all of the ecosystem inclusive of, you know, ad tech as well as, you know, brands, advertisers, publishers, where all of us need to sort of rethink the way that we've been existing for the last 10 years. And I, and I think bring to bear a lot of novel solutions that hopefully, you know, once we're all on the other side of this, will ultimately yield a, a more performant ecosystem that is better harmonized with consumer privacy, right? And, and I recognize that, you know, harmonized with consumer privacy is always a little bit of a, a tricky question to answer since, you know, privacy is defined differently by, by different entities. I'd like to hit on the, the revenue chances that can come here from authenticated audiences. You know, as I mentioned at the top, digital media websites are doing tests with identity solutions compared to third-party cookies, and they're seeing big results. You know, the, the full story on The Current really is an awesome read if, if you haven't checked it out. And a lot of the conversations around the death of cookies are focused on the privacy consequences. But do you think that these tests, which are small compared to their full audiences, could be big for publishers' revenues as well? Look, I think authenticated audiences are going to be hugely important, right? Knowing the users that you're targeting, at least for a percentage of your media buy is huge, right? And I think to get to any kind of a, an amount of scale that's viable in that portion of the ecosystem, right? You have to prove to publishers that they can get higher RPMs on their ad slots, right? So I think, you know, in terms of ultimately getting us to that version of the future in, you know, 12 to 24 months when we're all through the other side of this in a, in a successful way, I think being able to prove the novel solutions can drive sort of a win-win scenario for brands and brands and, uh, and publishers, excuse me, huge, right? I think that's a requirement, not a nice to have. 
it's going to come down to how high we can get auth rates up to, right? And getting publishers, you know, convinced that this is good for them. I think there's certainly a, a belief among the publisher community that, you know, the sort of current state programmatic ecosystem via data leakage actually hurts the value of their properties, right? And so I think sort of using authenticated audiences as an opportunity to undo that perception and, and gain a little bit more trust throughout the ecosystem is huge. There's a dynamic that I've heard of referenced as the live ramp effect today, right? Where buying users that exist in the live ramp ecosystem because they're so widely proliferated among the ecosystem tend to be more expensive than non-live ramp users, right? Users that are outside of live ramp ecosystem for whatever reason. And I think you'll see that happen as we move to, you know, an auth first world as well, right? It'll be really expensive to buy auth users and then it'll be a lot cheaper to buy other impressions, right? And I think, you know, if I'm putting my ecosystem hat on, as long as we can make sure publishers are relatively better off and ideally advertisers are still able to find the exact same, if not better, efficiency, then that seems like a win-win for everyone involved. So I'd like to close out just talking about privacy and the privacy regulation. So, you know, a number of states in the U.S. are passing privacy laws. So is it difficult to weave between the different states' laws in the U.S. rather than having, you know, a sweeping federal law? Yes, the obvious answer is having a bunch of different, a patchwork of pieces of legislation and needing to identify, okay, across 22 state bills, what is the common denominator, right? Like, yeah, the lowest common denominator, like, yeah, that's going to be a pain, right? Do you apply, you know, Washington's approach to healthcare targeting uh, across the board in the US? Or do you try and, you know, confine that to Washington state? You know, these are really difficult questions. So yes, I think, without a doubt, having one piece of federal privacy legislation that all of us need to need to govern to that's clearly the the optimal outcome California has stated that they want to be the floor, not the ceiling on privacy, right? And then there's other states that want no privacy. And so, you know, I think built into the US government as a whole and how we're structured, it's hard to it's hard to see how you square that, right? Um, but yes, I think we absolutely need uh, one common set of rules to govern to, otherwise the the patchwork is going to become more and more onerous for all of ad tech to make sense of. All right, Evan, it was great speaking with you and, and keep up with all these changes as we go forward. Awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Next, here's our roundup of what's making news across the internet. Paramount announced it's skipping a glitzy star-filled Upfronts presentation for the second year in a row. John Halley, the ad sales chief for Paramount, told Adweek recently that they're not, quote, going back to the old way of doing things. I recently spoke with an exec at AMP Agency who said he's been to more upfronts than he can count, and that what matters is not the big presentations, but the personal connections that lead to deals getting done. Still, Paramount is standing alone for now, as Disney, Netflix, and many more are preparing their showcases as spring approaches. And finally, we're capping off this episode with one last thing. Smartphones have become such a big part of our lives that they might as well qualify as a new body part. But as with all technological innovations, there's always something new on the horizon. So what could be next after the smartphone, and how are marketers reacting? To get the scoop, we're going to Zach Wang, who leads our reporting for The Current in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. So I think by now we've all seen the kind of the hype around Division Pro, right? It's reportedly sold out in the US. You've got, obviously, Meta, you've got Xreal, Humane, all these other companies really investing a lot in, in trying to figure out the future beyond the smartphone, right? But I think, you know, there are two things here for marketers to keep in mind. And, and one is, you know, the, the industry is cautious, right? The technology is unproven. Uh, the economy uh, as a whole is a bit wobbly. So, you know, a lot are taking this this kind of wait and see approach. Um, and two is that, you know, we're not really going to get into this sort of ready, you know, player one world where it's hyper immersive. 
uh, at least definitely not right away, right? But this this is a sign that that people maybe want to interact with technology in a different way, and then the technology will look different in a few years' time, right? So you know we're talking about less screens, you know, technology being more all around us, less intrusive. Um, you know, smartphones aren't going away uh, for now, but this is about sort of an undercurrent, you know, of, of, of a world where, like, technology is just more seamlessly integrated into our lives. And for marketers today, you know, they, they should really be thinking about how do we engage people, right, uh, instead of interrupting them? How do we make this more more natural? And that's it for this edition of The Current Report. For a deeper dive on all these stories plus more, check out thecurrent.com. And of course, please like and subscribe on YouTube, plus leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you want to hear more from The Current, listen to The Current Podcast, where we interview some of marketing's biggest leaders about their keystone career moments and where the industry is going next. We'll see you next week.